fundamentally what Birth Companions is as an organisation is, is women-led, women-centred and trauma-informed. Because we have the freedom as a voluntary sector organisation to sort of focus ourselves in, in that sense, we do get much better levels of engagement than other services might experience. And then we're in a position to act as a bridge into better engagement with statutory services. I think the value of a universally trauma-informed approach across all systems cannot be underestimated. It's just, it holds the key to being able to build relationships on an effective basis. We talk a lot about the importance of pre-birth work in the context of early help, because I think too often early help is associated with work that starts once a child is born. And actually that's not early, that's really rather late. Hello, I'm Wendy Thurgood, the Association of Child Protection Professionals and your host for today. In today's episode, I'll be talking to Kirsty Kitchen from Birth Companions about their work in supporting pregnancy and the early help and intervention. So before we start, Kirsty, can you tell me a bit about yourself and Birth Companions and the work that you do? Hi, Wendy. Yeah, thanks for asking me to record this with you today. So I'm the Head of Policy and Communications at Birth Companions. We are a small charity. We were originally set up to work with pregnant women and new mothers in prison. So we started life at an HMP Holloway in North London 25 years ago this year. Since then, we've, we've evolved to work with women who are in prison and women who are in the community with a focus on supporting those who experience their pregnancy and the early phase of their motherhood while facing acute disadvantage and, and health and social inequality. And that's, that work spans involvement in the criminal justice system, involvement with immigration service, and with particularly children's social services, all of which intersects for obvious reasons with the maternity system. So, so that's Birth Companions and our, and our work is a mix of direct services and, and policy and campaigning on these issues. Really, really important topic, isn't it? Because, I mean, it's, it is, it's the working with the classes that we struggle to actually make sure that they're getting the right support to break the cycle, to improve the life outcomes, which is really key. Absolutely. Breaking the cycle is a massive part of our, our focus at Birth Companions because we do see pregnancy and early motherhood as this sort of window of opportunity to break intergenerational cycles of disadvantage, ultimately. Yeah, excellent topic. So, so my work has, has been revolves linked with sort of serious case reviews, so worst case scenarios. So I'm really keen to actually hear about the preventative work that you're doing and, and mirroring the work that's actually happening in the early, with the early help programme. When I'm delivering training, I'm talking about getting in at that earliest possible moment in time, but equally making sure all public health workers are working within the partnership to understand and occasionally they need that support from specialist services. So really keen to hear about the work that you're doing in more depth. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think preventative early help is where we focus a lot of our, our energies. For obvious reasons, many of the women that we're working with are further down the line. They're at crisis point, you know, or, or they've been at crisis point. They're either at risk of separation from their baby or have been separated from this child or from previous children, even the women that we work with who are not quite at that point will have 
a very acute fear of social services involvement and 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 the chance of removal even if that's to be honest unfounded but because of of their life experiences and their experiences of statutory services or their experiences of the care system themselves as a child they are very alert to that risk and that will have does have a huge impact on their engagement with services and from my experience it's equally when we get them when they're most vulnerable and wanting to bond with that baby we can make the biggest change can't we if we have a supportive team and it's not sold as child protection it's sold as preventative supportive you can really see that change in that person of course without the baby present that is where the key work and the acceptance can happen couldn't agree more pre-birth work is so so important and also I would argue preconception work. You know, we advocate for a life course approach to work with with women who are in situations of disadvantage or who experience inequality, the vast majority of whom will have experienced trauma or adverse childhood experiences or will be currently in situations of of abuse or, or, or trauma. And used the word team a moment ago. I, I think taking that combination of a life course approach, looking at where women have come from. Obviously, our focus is on women, but you know, others will. You know, it's, it's right to focus on the family as a whole and, and and more widely than that. But thinking about where these women have come from, what they've seen in their lives, what has been going on with them, and having a team around them—not just social work professionals, for instance—in in thinking about child protection, but obviously work with education providers for us work with maternity service providers is crucial wider public health so you're thinking about broader sexual reproductive health services obviously work with criminal justice professionals whether that's police courts probation professionals prison officers etc and for many of the women that we work with you know immigration services home office professionals accommodation providers etc you know it's so broad and you really do need that team working at the various earliest opportunity with with women to to make prevention and effective engagement a meaningful possibility without that really strong team built around that and that really good communication with any of the partnership learning or serious case reviews i've done it's that break and not having the right people understanding and equally a key agency that's often forgotten is something like benefits because mm-hmm. these women are receiving benefits or these, this family and it's making sure that we're actually linked in because they will always be able to track them if they go missing because we know these are vulnerable people that will try sometimes and hide under the radar and again it's building their trust isn't it because that's a basis as to why we've had problems in the past and as long as it can be non-threatening open and transparent that is how the early help program is designed to deliver a service. Yeah, trust trust is the, the basis for it all. Trust and relationships. And I completely agree. You know, benefits teams have a big part to play in that. Housing teams have a big part to play in that. I would also say that one of the biggest roles in all of that that is too often overlooked is the value of the voluntary sector. Because if those trying to work around people that might be at risk of of child protection proceedings or or are involved in child protection proceedings, if they overlook the value of the voluntary sector in trying to bridge some of those gaps in trust, in a willingness to disclose, a willingness to engage with statutory services, they're they're missing missing a trick. Because what we see as a voluntary sector provider is because we are there primarily as a emotional 
practical support for the woman herself. And we're working with her on the basis of her her identity and her role as a pregnant woman or a mother, that we can engage at a level that statutory services sometimes struggle to because we don't have quite the same issues with trust. But it's it's something that's not not used enough and not not consistently brought in enough, I would say. And equally, families find that very non-threatening, don't they? Because they feel that they can actually have a, a different support network that they can actually share and work with closely to build up that trust with working with other professionals. And it's important to feel that somebody's on their side, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, that's where the relationship comes in. And, you know, obviously we, we're very honest. We apply all the same safeguarding protocols we're very clear with women if you tell us things that that are of concern or that we then have a duty to refer on we're going to do that but we're building the relationship in a different space and in a different way and fundamentally what birth companions is as an organization is is women-led women-centered and trauma-informed you know at every point in every way and because we have the freedom as a voluntary sector organization to sort of focus ourselves in in that sense we do get much better levels of engagement than other services might experience and then we're in a position to like I say act as a bridge into better engagement with statutory services because women feel more confident they're more empowered they feel safer to disclose what's really going on in their lives and that then allows the right help to be put in place at the earliest opportunity. And that is key to a good pathway. So how do other professionals, because I must admit, before I met you within this role, it wasn't something that you were widely known. So how do we get you out there? How do you get permission? And how do you get your work streams? So predominantly, we work in London and the South East in terms of our community services. And then we provide direct services in three women's prisons around the country. So we work in Peterborough, Foston Hall and Bronsfield. And those prisons obviously serve, you know, much wider areas than that. So women can be coming in and, and going out from those prisons from, from a whole range of, of places. In terms of our community-based services, most of our referrals come through midwifery and established social worker relationships in north, east and sort of central London. But as well as our sort of direct services, I would say we've got a huge amount of information on our website and guidance and research that is of benefit to professionals working anywhere in the country if they want to understand more about the nature of disadvantage and inequality in pregnancy and early motherhood the intersections between social services criminal justice immigration and maternity etc there's a section on our website that brings together all of our resources our research and the research of others that we think is you know particularly valuable in this space so we're a, we're a sounding board as well as a service provider. We work to change policy and practice at a national level. So we're always keen to hear from people who are doing things that might be um, thought of as best practice or doing something innovative that we can shout about elsewhere. The other thing I would say is we do have a lived experience team. So we have a team of over 40 women who have lived experience of disadvantage and inequality at this point in their lives during pregnancy and, and early motherhood. And they're an amazing resource for professionals working anywhere to contact, to draw on, to involve in research, to involve in service consultation. And some of them are trained peer researchers as well. So they can actually sort of co-produce research projects from, from very early on. 
They've worked with the likes of Public Health England, Prison and Probation Service, the NHS and Department for Health and Social Care, currently working with Department for Education on the independent review of children's social care. So um, they're, they're available and people can contact them via our website. That's really good to hear because we are a UK nation and it is an area that sometimes when you're really looking and scrabbling around, I mean, a recent serious case from you that I was involved in, I struggled to get the right information and I must admit I came across you guys more by luck than judgment. So it would be really clear. So what we can do on our website is make that clear. So we'll make sure that there is that link with our, with you as a partnership organisation. Because, I mean, we can talk till the cows come home about the importance of early intervention, don't we? And breaking that cycle. And we know the history, we know the facts. Um, but equally, we know the long-term impact of actually having a, a child removed without the right support and how that impacts on long-term mental health if we don't get it right. So if we don't invest in this and and make that change, it's only going to cost all services far more, you know, particularly through crime and disorder and the own personal suffering that they suffer. Back in the day, I worked with a cohort of of street workers, prostitutes in relation to breaking the cycle of having children removed and equally improving the quality life of the children. And it was way back when HIV was was high to, to try and just, promote the actual physical health of of that cohort, as well as actually improving life chances. So it's it's something that is still there. And within early health, but it doesn't even really get a really strong mention, does it? Because this is the key. These are the cohort that if we don't get right, that cohort, as I say, are just going to grow with the the cost on the economy. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, we talk a lot about the importance of pre-birth work in the context of early health. Because I think too often early help is associated with work that starts once a child is born. And actually, that's not early. That's really rather late. So we talk a lot about pre-birth work, but we should also talk a lot about post-birth work. Because if there is a separation at birth or shortly afterwards, or if there is the risk of a separation, and even if it doesn't come to that, but there's a huge amount of trauma and uncertainty around whether that will be the case. If women do not get, if mothers do not get the right support during that period and afterwards, then the costs are, are huge. And we see that in the in the rising number of recurrent care proceedings across the country. I really welcome a big focus on recurrent care proceedings. And I think that is something that has come into focus much more sharply in recent years. Equally, if you get it right the first time, if you get the early help there, either preconception or pre-birth the first time round, you won't have a recurrent care proceedings issue. You know, we know that women cope in many cases with experiencing a separation by becoming pregnant again, because it allows them an opportunity to identify themselves as a mother again. And, and there's just too little support to deal with the, the immense grief and trauma that is experienced through separation. Too much focus. There, there can never be too much focus on the child of course, but that doesn't have to come at the cost of an equal focus on the mother, I would argue. And what we see that if we don't support that mother post-separation, because there will always be some extreme cases where that has to happen, but you're right, we should never lose focus of then that mother's mental health and understanding what the complexities were and whether there is still intervention that can be done to support her being a mother. Um, But what we find is that Nobody within children social care are going to be interested. The midwife drops up. She hasn't got a health visitor. So who have they got to turn to? That is a a gap, isn't it, within that pathway? 
a huge gap and it's the it's the thing that midwives tell us you know that they that keeps them awake at night you know these are the women really who who they're worrying about not the ones that are you know on a health visitor pathway and you know will attend their six-week check at the gp and there's there's multiple other professionals there to catch these are women that midwives see discharged from the hospital and and they genuinely don't know if they're still going to be around in a, in a week or two's time, you know, and the trauma that that brings for those professionals, not just midwives, but, you know, probation officers, prison officers, uh, immigration officials, you know, there's a lot of professionals that are themselves being traumatised as a result of witnessing. Separation is, is traumatic to witness no matter what, but if you witness it and you are not sure about the support that is being provided to follow up, with that woman that's doubly traumatic <laughs> and, and equally key because we see within health the central records are the general practitioners who are probably least likely to be able to support those complex issues they will clinically treat the presenting factor so it will be then masked and given a clinical label such as depression or if they're misusing drugs or alcohol or if there is criminal activity going on they are labeled as that people are missing the key because they have nowhere to really refer some of these patients and they are left holding them and of course the sad cases is when you look at the journey of suicide as well um, because they have nothing to look forward to particularly if you're having the separation and impact of having multiple children removed without the right support and intervention yes absolutely absolutely and that's why you know we're advocates for for a universal trauma-informed approach across all of these services because you do need to work with people on the basis of an assumption of trauma. You know, you can't always rely on someone presenting with a full and immediate disclosure of all of the things that have gone on in their lives that have led them up to this point. You're never going to get that, but you need to work with a some kind of presumption that some of that stuff may well have happened to this person if you're going to be able to have a chance of building an effective relationship with them and thinking about the range of services that they might need to be able to access if they're going to be able to do ultimately what you're hoping that they will be able to do. I think the value of a universally trauma-informed approach across all systems cannot be underestimated. It's just it holds the key to being able to build relationships on an effective basis. Kirsty, just before we finish, there may be many listeners out here that um, are not within your catchment area. Um, So midwives, pre-birth and various other partnership or even voluntary sectors. Would you be able to point them in the direction of where they can get support? But equally, we'd be really keen to hear areas of good practice, wouldn't we? If anyone wants to share um, something that they're doing that could complement what you're doing, it would be really good to have that conversation, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. We're always keen to hear what people are doing in different parts of the country, uh, what's working well, as well as, you know, what we inevitably hear about what's not working very well. I would say do visit our website, birthcompanions.org.uk. You can see our resources section there. and You can also get in touch with me and, and my colleagues to have some of those conversations. Also, just to make a point to say thank you to all of the people that are working with women in in these situations. We know that so many of you go above and beyond your job titles, your working hours. You're very passionate and committed and you do make a real difference. Keep keep doing that. But, But also, please sort of 
take every opportunity that you can to talk to others about the realities of what you see in your work to take a trauma-informed approach and to encourage others to do the same and, and work as early and as responsively as you can. Because that is so important, that early intervention. I remember projects where we had partnership working with the family group therapists, working with the, the dolls, the crying dolls, and it was so productive. And it's a shame that some of that has got lost in the midst of time with Every Child Matters. But it's, but it's not just the child. I think here is it, it's the adults. You know, that's where we have to focus too. And I think within services such as child protection, we focus on that child and not always holistically or even contextual safeguarding. So it has been really informative. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. And I really thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And as I say, it's a passion of mine from, from very many angles. I have different strands, but it's, it's so nice to hear about the work that you're doing in relation to the case for change and also your work in Birth Companions. So before we finish, I'd just like to remind listeners that we actually do have a special edition coming out in September or October 2022 on this theme, and we will be building events prior to that event. So if anybody is listening and that wants to contact us um, on any strand of work in relation to early intervention for pre-birth and post-birth, sharing good practice, we will be exploring issues around this topic. Thank you ever so much, Kirsty. That was really informative. And I look forward to doing some more work with you. I think we've got lots that we can continue and, and share our knowledge and experience. So thank you. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you for listening to the AOCPP's podcast. If there are any specific topics you want to discuss in future episodes, email us at hello at aacpp.org.uk and if you would like more information about the Association of Child Protection Professionals then visit our website at childprotectionprofessionals.org.uk Thank you.